guess what day it is. It's Wednesday, it's Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Best of Adam's Podcast. That's like the coolest thing I ever heard. Good day, everybody. It's your pal, Pastor Adam, here today on a glorious Wednesday. Uh, I'll tell you what wasn't glorious was my my Tuesday evening, and I'll tell you why. Let's talk a little bit about Facebook Marketplace, the cesspool of the dregs of society that all converge in one area called Facebook Marketplace. I don't know what it is about Marketplace that just, it just reaches out to the people who are the worst and just puts them all in one area and they're like, yeah, let's do business here. But actually, they don't do much business there. It's the most frustrating thing that I have to deal with on a regular basis in my adult life. Uh, Similar to Sunday mornings when I try to get, like, once a month a McDonald's order from McDonald's. It's just frustrating. Nothing ever works out. It's the same. I'm in an abusive relationship with McDonald's and with Facebook Marketplace. Now, let me just break down why it's the worst. The worst. And by the way, when I think back on Craigslist, it was a a pleasure. It was a pleasure to do business on Craigslist because people acted differently. Now, of course, on Craigslist, there was some illegal things going down. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, that code words for things that you don't want to do. However... People's attitudes, their manners, their overall behavior were so much better than what it is on Facebook Marketplace. Here, here's how it happens. So, for instance, as a seller, me, I have a lot of things that I, I post down there trying to get rid of stuff we don't use here at church so I can get newer, upgraded things, that sort of stuff, right? I'll post probably five or six things at a time, and... Within, you know, the hour, I start getting the, is this available? Hello, is this available? That's what, it's like a programmed thing, and you can just hit that button, and it sends that to me, you know, if you're on Facebook. And it's annoying, because you say, yes, it's available. There's a button you hit right back that says, yes, it's available. Are you still interested, right? But it doesn't matter, because nobody's going to respond to you. Out of the hundred that you get, Maybe one person will say, yes, I'm interested, or something like that. Uh, they just they just ghost you. They're like, is this available? And you say, yeah. And they're like, hmm, that's good to know. Like, right? Now, I've, I have accidentally, it, probably twice, hit the, is this available? And I'm like, ah. Oh. And what, you know what I do? I respond. I make another message to go, hey, I accidentally hit that. I'm sorry. Hope you sell your listing or something like that. I have manners. I care. Nobody else does. Um, but I don't know why people continue to ask if something is available if they have zero interest in purchasing it. it and they're not interested at all. I just don't get it. What is the point? Is it just to irritate people? Do people wake up and they're like, let me get on Marketplace and ask if things are available. 
That's what I want to do. And they maybe there's a group meeting where they're all, it's like fake Facebook mar- marketplace alliance, and they're like every every month they have a meeting, and they're like, how many is this available? Did you send out? And they have a quota, and they're like, Jim. It says you only did 9,000. We, we talked about this. We need at least 10,000 a month. Is this available? And then somebody's like, yeah. But then I, I said something like, no, you don't. You're not supposed to respond. This is the way we irritate the world. Um, yeah. So I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's frustrating. It makes me angry. And then here's the thing. Let's say you get 100. Is this available? And every 100, you're like, yes whatever. And you just accept the fact that you're not going to get a response. Once in a while, somebody does say, yes, I am available. And you're like, oh, okay. And then they're like, would you take this for it? And um, you're like, sure. I've had a thousand people message me about this and I just want to get rid of it. And I want to be out of this marketplace disaster that it is. And you're like, yeah, I'll take it. And they're like, cool. And then that's when you re- then they they say where are you located and you go oh, are you kidding me right now and then I'm I'm like Monk's Corner South Carolina oh I didn't realize I live in Colorado or I'm in California can you ship it no I can't ship it it's a giant heavy amplifier I'm not shipping and they're like oh too bad sorry why are you not looking my okay let me just say this I'm so frustrated with marketplace that what I do my first line in the description is I'm located in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. That's the very first line. If you click on the listing, you you have to see it. Also, when you're scrolling through Marketplace and you see something, right below it, it says the city and state. So I don't know why you're not, you're missing it twice. And then also the last line of my description says, if you see this, it's available. Now, why are people not seeing the first or the last line in my description? I don't know. I don't understand. Maybe that same meeting with the Facebook Marketplace Alliance, they're like, hey, make sure you try to buy at least 10, 15 things a month from places that you have no intention of going. Because, and just say you didn't realize that's where it was. And they're like, oh, that's the best. Because they feel like the seller feels like they're making a sale. And then you just pull the rug out. It's nuts. All right. So, all of these things, super frustrating. But then you have the people who go the extra mile to really stick the knife in and turn it. Like last night. Let me run this down. I have a listing up. Guy says, hey, I'm interested in it. It wasn't even the the um, the random is this available. This is a, hey, I'm interested in this. Uh, I'll buy it. And I live in Charleston, right? It's like, what? You came to me saying you live close and and you want to buy it. This is this is a, a unicorn of a of a buyer here because usually if someone says they want to buy it, now I have to do my investigation work, look at their profile, try to find out where they're from, and then I'll see they're not from anywhere around here. And I'm like, ugh. But this time it all lines up. I'm like, cool. I'm like, yeah. And then I said, where are you located in Charleston? He tells me by the army base or whatever base it is. And I go, where can we meet? Halfway. And he said, how about in Goose Creek? And I said, sure. Anywhere in particular? He goes, you let me know. I said, how about Walmart parking lot? We we make a time right as he gets off work. 
all is well. And we've we'd texted or messaged back and forth a few times during the day. So this is serious buyer. So serious, I put the old pending thing on there. You know, you can mark something as pending that somebody's going to pick it up. Then hopefully nobody will message you. So I get home. I eat something real quick. I'm out the door because the guy said he's, uh, you know, he said, yep, Walmart parking lot. Good. So I'm driving there and I go, he said, waiting on traffic. I respond with, I'm in traffic as well. Um, but I'm about 15 minutes away. Then he responds, oh, don't leave yet. I said, I'm waiting for traffic to die down before I leave. And I was like, well, I'm already, you know, I was on my way and I'm driving, so I can't text. Um, and first of all, you're talking to somebody from Chicago where the traffic there, let's just say that's real traffic here, even when it's its worst, not really that terrible. Like I've been, I've seen way worse. I've seen some things in terms of traffic, but so I get there and I respond, Hey, I know that you haven't left yet, but I have a few calls I can make. I can kill some time. And he said, okay, gave me the thumbs up. So the word, okay, thumbs up. So I, I make a couple calls. I go into Walmart. I come out. So 45 minutes has passed. And I said, what's your ETA? And then I tell him where I'm where I'm located in the parking lot, what car I'm driving, all that stuff. Nothing. Nothing. Ghosted. I could still be there for all he knows. And I kind of want to message him and be like, hey, man, are you coming or what? Like, I'm just, I've been here all night. He wouldn't care, though, because that's the way. I, and I was so mad and frustrated with him last night. Like I had the I had the phone in my hand at the message and I just wanted to verbally abuse him. I wanted him to feel shame. I want his family to feel shame for raising a person who would do this to somebody. And and I went home without like I, I was just like, nope, you know what? It's just not gonna lead to you're just gonna make yourself even more frustrated and mad. Just leave it alone. And it's it's hard to just sit in this anger where you're like this guy just gave me the runaround marketplace strikes again never disappoints so i put my phone away i drive home i had nothing to say to him because well nothing constructive or even christian to say to him and and honestly i'm still like very annoyed to this month to this minute um i mean how, how do you how can you do that to somebody I had to drive a half hour out of my way and waste two hours for nothing. But when I got home, uh, I told my wife, like, he didn't show up. And she was like, ugh. And she said, well, he has to come to you now if he wants it. And I was like, oh, no. I, he did, I refuse to sell him that. He could offer me double, triple what I'm asking. I'd rather throw the thing in the trash than give it to him. Period. The and, and here's the thing, these interactions, specifically in Marketplace, it makes me sad for the world uh, because there are so many people who behave like this. I buy things from Marketplace all the time. And guess what? I only message and say I'm going to buy something when I'm serious about it. And I see lots of stuff on here on Marketplace that I like, but I don't really need 
right? I like it. I want it, but I'm, I'm not, I don't really need it. But you know what I do? If there's something where it's like on the, on the verge of, you know what? I, maybe I would buy this, right? I save it because there's a little button that says save. And then I save it and I wait. I wait to see if I really do want this item. I wait to see if the price goes down the longer we wait. And if they, if it ends up selling to somebody else, well, I guess I wasn't supposed to have that thing, right? And guess what? I've gotten some amazing deals off of things that have been sitting on there for a while. And then I can finally come in and be like, hey, I'll offer you this. And they take it. It's, it's good. I assure you, I don't stand people up. I don't waste people's time, which seems like the majority of people on Marketplace. So this whole frustrating experience, number 1,000 in my life on Marketplace of being disappointed and frustrated with Marketplace, but that's kind of the jumping off point of my devotional today. People and their behavior. And and, and honestly, it started way before this Marketplace uh, situation yesterday. See, here's what happened. I was watching a video yesterday of Jordan Peterson talking to Ben Shapiro about the difference between Christianity and Judaism. And this video is a very calm, civilized conversation. Pretty much both sides said the difference is Jesus, right? Uh, but there's all sorts of videos similar or where Christians are debating atheists and all that stuff where it's not calm and civilized conversation where it's yelling and arguing and it's less about listening to the other person than making your point and you being right. And this video was over two hours long. They talked about other topics uh, like trans activism, um, censorship, but with me having some attention issues, I was only really focused on a little bit before I drifted into my own thoughts, which is pretty usual. I started thinking about church service uh, that we recently had this past Sunday and a controversial topic that was talked about and how there would be, I was thinking as he was, Pastor Tommy was giving the message, I'm like, oh, he's going to be getting some emails. Some people will be upset about what he said. And uh, then I started thinking about forget controversial topics a lot of people within the church have a lot to say about non-controversial things they don't like this or that or whether it be a person or the music or the volume or the way something looks or i don't know there's just lots of things people have to complain about um and i'm not singling out my church i'm just talking about all churches uh there's always some sort of conflict or disagreement amongst people in the church regarding the church how it's run what we do, leadership structure, the lack of structure, events, the lack of events, not the right events that they want, what should be done better. Basically, the church is doing it wrong, whatever it may be. That's It's like that's in every church across the world. It's nothing new to people in ministry. Then I started thinking about how the church was started by Jesus and his disciples. A true grassroots campaign started with zero churches and now we have an estimated 340,000 Christian or Catholic churches in the U.S. which is by the way about 7,000 miles away from where the first churches started I mean Jesus didn't even set foot in North America and we have that many churches it's amazing but how did we get from there to where we are like 
We with zero churches, then all of a sudden they start with Jesus and his disciples. Now we have all these churches full of complainers. So let's read Luke 10, 1 through 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So this is Jesus sending out his disciples. Jesus, who is man, but also God. And guess what? He didn't need us to do anything. He didn't need it. If he wanted to do it himself, he definitely could because he's also God. We know even now that if we share the gospel with someone, um, it is he who draws them in and eventually redeems them. Yet, he uses us. Or, I'm thinking of it this way, he lets us be the messengers of the good news. He lets us be part of this miraculous thing. So even those, even though those stats that I shared a minute ago about how many churches there are in the U.S. and how amazing that is, they st- they still all have this strange problem of I don't know what, what you'd call it, like dissension or conflict or whatever it may be within them. And I'm like, why is that? Why is it that we people Christians are not? all harmonious and unified, but there's all this conflict and dissension or whatever it may be in them. Um, And so if you read further into Luke 10, it might give us possible reason. Okay, so Luke 10, 17 through 20 says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rather that your names are written in heaven. So in the scripture, Jesus warns against rejoicing in things that are outside of us securing our salvation. We as people get excited about miracles and good works, which are exciting and they're you know, I get it. I understand. We get we get excited about successful events where we attract a bunch of people outside of the church to a function. We get excited about attendance of a small group or study. We get excited about attendance in our in our congregation on a Sunday morning. Uh, we get excited about volunteering at homeless shelter, about giving to the needy, about discipling others, which are all things that are good, by the way. There's all things that we should be doing. We need to be doing them. We need to continue doing them. But here's the thing. A lot of time, we're trying to take credit for God's work. And what does that do? It makes us feel, at least, more important than others. It makes us think that we should have more of a say in things. Uh, and I'm talking about pastors, elders, deacons, church leader, leaders, volunteer leaders, all of them, all of us. And guess what? I'll throw myself under the bus. I'll often see a live stream of another church of their worship and all that. And, and I'll be like, "Ooh, man, I could make that better. I could do this and that. And I'm like, why? Because I'm better than them. 
I somehow, I am somehow the authority on how to do it better. No. God put me in charge of worship in this church. So my opinion on another worship team that's unsolicited is useless and pretty arrogant. And Jesus said the greatest cause for rejoicing should be our salvation. It doesn't matter how good the worship is, how great I play, how great I sang, how everything flowed. Jesus didn't say to rejoice in those things. But, I mean, I guess I do. We do. You lead a small group and get a few people in that small group baptized, you think, look what I did. If you lead a mission trip and you build some houses, feed some children, look what I just did in that country. If you lead a class and 50 people attend, look what I did. You finish reading the Bible for X number of times, you tell, then you get this feeling, look what I did. I know it all. You see, we've all become experts in the Jesus business. But again, Jesus didn't say to rejoice in those things. He said to rejoice in our salvation, which to me means the importance of evangelism. Well, that's more important work than we probably imagine. But then again, that's also scary work. That's uncomfortable work. That's the work we tend to think makes us look like crazy people to others, to the, to the world. I mean, I'm better at playing guitar and singing than I am in evangelism. I'm better at running a small group than I am evangelism. I'm better at leading a class than I am in evangelism. I'm better at doing a podcast than I am at evangelism. Now, evangelism can be in all of those things that I say I'm good at. It's definitely a part of it. But is there any better way to do evangelism than to directly face-to-face and tell people about Jesus? Not really. It's something that takes thought, intentionality, and dedication. But that's not what, what, that's not what Christians want. If we're honest, most Christians just want to show up at church, listen to some music, hear a message, go home, watch football or whatever, take a nap. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll attend a, an event once or twice or possibly volunteer here and there, but that's really all they need. Oh, and also to point out the weakness of their church. So this contention, this conflict in the church comes from all angles. People prioritizing their comfort, the leaders overvaluing their skills and contributions, And we minimize the need for evangelism. And like I said, I'm not, I'm I'm part of the problem at times, but I see the problem and I want to change it before it's too late, but it's hard to change a culture, especially the culture of the church across the world. It's not just a one church issue, but we kind of have to start at one church and, and hopefully band together to change these, this culture. Before it's too late, because in Mark 13, 32 through 33, it says, but about the day or hour, no one knows. We're talking about the end of the world when Jesus comes back. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So we as followers, if like, again, we're being honest, we're rarely on guard or alert that we, or we'd be doing more sharing of the gospel. We don't know when that day is coming. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. No one knows, 
but we know we are one day closer than we were yesterday. And, and we rarely look at things that way. Like, man, time is, time could be running out. Often we're just like, mm, I'll get to it later, later, after I, after I read the Bible a couple more times, after I attend a few more classes, after I'm tired of my small group, there's, there's excuses and reasons why people brush it off and don't want to really fulfill the Great Commission and do what we're supposed to be doing. And that's kind of what is, I don't know what you would call it, just kind of like watering down church. But here's the good news. No matter how bad we are as leaders of the church or how bad we are as church volunteers or how bad we are as attenders, the church will prevail and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. That's the good news. But like I said, we have to be on guard, think about things. Things could end at any second. And have we done our best to share the gospel and rejoice in our salvation, and our rejoicing in our salvation should mean we should try to get more people to know Jesus so that they're they're saved. Like I said, it's a big, it's a big culture shift, but uh, we have to start somewhere. So let's start here. So there's that, and circling back, beware of Facebook Marketplace, um, because it's. Uh, it's the closest thing that we have to hell on earth. That's what I've come to. All right, that's what I have. You have a good one, and I'll see you next time.